Welcome to Rooted. I'm Sam, a new age business strategist and coach for solopreneurs rooted in soul. In this podcast, you will be a part of conversations with incredible solopreneurs that know exactly where you are and are here to help guide you to where you want to be. Subscribe, rate, and review to ensure you never miss an episode. And keep the conversation going by following me on Instagram at Rooted with Sam. I'll see you inside. Hello, welcome back to Rooted. Happy whatever day it is, wherever you are, whenever you're listening to this episode. Let me tell you, today's episode is a treat. I am here to introduce you to McLean McGowan. She is the powerful force behind Mother the Mother the brand and the podcast. McLean is also a dear friend of mine. I've had the pleasure of getting to know her the past 16-ish months and also work alongside of her growing her business as it's shifted during last year, as many businesses have. And she is honestly such an amazing human being. And at the end of this episode, I kind of share just how much I adore her and how grateful I am for her in my life, but I can't express it enough because McLean truly is incredible. You'll get that in this episode with how she speaks, the knowledge she offers, the wisdom she shares, and her passion and her purpose for helping women at the root of what she does. She helps women. McLean is a motherhood coach, a postpartum doula, and She wears a lot of hats. She does a lot of things because she's so passionate and she is here to help women, to help mothers feel seen and understood and heard and loved and supported. And at the end of the day, that's what we all want. And I think that's why it's so easy to be captured in the energy that McLean offers. So I urge you... (laughs) to really listen to this episode. We go into a lot of different topics and McLean shares a lot for new moms and for moms and dads who worked through the learning experience of 2020. And she shares why she even got into being a doula and really gives you a good look into what moms face on a day-to-day, minute-to-minute basis. So make sure you give her a follow at Mother the Mother on Instagram. Listen to her podcast, Mother the Mother. And if you have any questions about working with her, which I highly, highly recommend, or being a part of her incredible community mom club, check out the show notes for all of the information and links. I'd really like to start with why did you decide to become a doula and step into that space? So I decided to become a doula really organically after the birth of my first daughter, because I realized there was just a looming white space that no one was filling. And I had been drawn to birth. Actually in college, I took a very random midwifery class. I went to very alternative school, <laughs> Hampshire College in Massachusetts, and it was very progressive. And, you know, so that was actually a course. And I read what has become the Bible of home birth and midwifery, at least in the past couple decades. That's probably changing now, but it's spiritual midwifery. So most women in the more alternative or shall we say natural-based birth world has read it. And I read that in college. And so it was always in the back of my mind. And then I had friends out here that were home birthing and that's what I wanted to do. So I had midwifery care and was doing the natural Bradley method prenatal classes for three months with my husband and, you know, doing the breastfeeding classes and all of that. And then after I had her and was healing, I realized there was just not much care, not much education on the other side, which is pretty crazy. You know, it's pretty wild that we do so much for this event of the birth. And yes, it is important. And yes, it's a big part of our journey as women. Yes, it's a big part of our baby's journey, how they come into this world. And it's a day 
you know, or maybe two days. And then we're just sending women home saying, see you in six weeks, like hope it all goes okay. And we're just setting women up for failure, which is then setting families up for failure. So it really was not a conscious decision. It was really just a heart pull. And it was very much like, this is my dharma. This is my life's work because this is insanity that women aren't being supported. And for my own personal journey. I was very conscious. I had done a lot of the inner work and still it took me a couple years to heal, meaning I was soon turning 33 and I had my first. So I was young. I mean, that's relatively young. So I quote unquote kind of bounced back very quickly. I was driving two days later. Like I didn't have any pelvic, you know, health issues. So even though I wasn't doing all the healing I should have been doing, I was okay, but it really flared up for me in sleep, not sleeping. I was really jacked up in that flight or fight syndrome. My adrenals were wrecked. We were traveling all over the world. I just didn't know better. So I didn't sleep really for like three or four years. And that catches up with you. I was tanked. I was very wrung out. I was very thin. I was very happy being a mom. My tank was empty, like beyond empty. So a couple of years into it, actually about a year and a half into it, I was like, this is not okay. This is, it's caught up to me. I don't feel like myself. I don't feel well. My husband kind of had no idea because I was just, I was doing it, you know, like I am a very capable person as most all of us are. And we just keep chugging along because we don't know to do different. I didn't know to ask for help. I didn't know what kind of help to ask for. And so that's why as a postpartum doula, I really am into the education piece. And now as a motherhood coach, it's even better because I can get to women before they even conceive all through their pregnancy in the postpartum and then beyond helping moms heal that didn't have the support. You know, I have women coming back to me. They have five-year-olds, they have 10-year-olds, they have teenagers going, I didn't get any postpartum care or help. And I'm suffering now, like 15 years later. I mean, that's what's happening. So what does postpartum care look like? It can be a little bit different for each woman. Each doula has different ways that they like to practice. But for me, it's through an Ayurvedic lens. So it's very specific healing foods. Everything is warm, warming. The spices are warming. Thinking about soups and stews and cooked down oatmeals and chia puddings and teas and tonics, all to bring warmth and healing to the body. So it's an energetic healing. And then it's also a physical healing and it's an emotional healing. And when you're postpartum, I kind of liken it to being a raw nerve, it's like you've run five marathons and your longest all-nighter in college plus the stomach flu. It's like that is how exhausted you are, like on every level. And it takes a lot to come back and to bring everything back online. And I think it's something like statistically women in their first year after having a baby lose 700 hours of sleep. Oh my God. And you never get that back. That is gone hours, right? Because you, you, there's no way you can just go sleep for 700 hours. So that is huge. And we kind of just make it into like a meme of like, oh yeah, you know, we don't get sleep, but it's huge. I mean, men don't do that. I mean, you know, in war, part of prisoner abuse is not letting them sleep, right? So like that is what we're doing. And then having all the expectations to still mother your other kids, to cook, to clean, to walk the dogs, to maybe get six weeks off before having to go back to work. You know, like our society is not doing a good job of supporting moms. And then we see it coming out through the children, right? So it's healing mom. And then a deeper layer of that is we're healing mom so that she can be the mom and the best representation of herself as a woman to mother her children. Because children are so interconnected to us that everything we're going through, they're feeling too. They may not consciously know exactly what the details are, but energetically they're feeling everything. And people could be listening to that and saying, that's, you know, that might be a little bit of a generalization, but I found it's really not. And you will see if you, you could almost pinpoint in children, if they have chronic illness or even ADD or, you know, quote unquote, emotional problems or acting out, most of that can be traced back to parents. It's obviously food and toxicity and all of that, but it's also what's going on in the parents' lives, what's going on in the partnership, what's going on for mom and dad, and even grandparents and great-grandparents. You know, there's so much generational trauma we hold as well. So, you know, I often say that pregnancy and motherhood is the swiftest spiritual path 
to get kind of like your spiritual wings. And for most of us, that is because it's the one time that we really stop and look at our shit and like, oh, this is stuff we don't want to continue on. I don't want to pass these habits on to my baby. Like I've kind of learned to deal with them. Maybe not so great. Maybe I'm kind of pushing them under the rug. Maybe I'm using some vices to get over them. But then when you have this precious soul that you've maybe worked years to conceive and bring forward this precious baby, you don't want that stuff to be carried on. You know, you really want to do the work so that can be cleared. And that's why I just think investing in yourself as a expectant mom, as a new mom, as an older mom, it is never not worth it. It's always worth it because it's going to your kids. It's going to your partner. It's going to your whole family unit. Yeah. I think it's interesting how kids, they don't know what the habits that they're creating for themselves as they're watching parents. So like one thing that I always tell my friends, most of my friends have kids, multiple children actually. And I'm always saying like, you have to stop and let them see that you're eating. Yes. Like they're not yes. going to eat their food. They're always complaining, you know, they're, she's not eating. He's not eating. I'm like, well, are you, are they seeing you eat? And I can understand that connection because I remember that when I was younger, but there are so many other things, you know, they feel the tension in the house. There's so much more, I guess, susceptible to the energy that's happening around them without even realizing it. Yeah. And not to add any shame or blame to women too, because like we're doing the best we can, you know, we're slogging through it, especially if we don't have any support, but it really is true. And I love that food piece because I get that too with a lot of my clients. They're like, my toddler won't eat. My toddler won't do this. I'm like, well, are you sitting down? Are you eating? What are you eating? Are you really not eating meals? Are you eating kind of junk in the corner during the night? Are you restricting your food? Are you dieting? What are you saying about your own body in front of your kids? It starts young when they can understand that skinny, fat, chubby. I mean, that's all toddlers. They're hearing everything. How do you talk about yourself? Like when you walk naked past a mirror, Ugh, I hate my thighs, look at my ass, you know, they're hearing all of that. And if you have daughters, especially it's real work. <laughs> I have two daughters and it's constant work to quiet that voice. And even if it's coming up for me to not vocalize it and to work on that myself when I'm not in front of my daughters, because that stuff starts at home and it's deep. It's real deep. Do you notice that more of the clients you have are mothers to daughters? You know, it's so funny. It goes in phases. Like I'll have clients and they're all girls. And then the next year they're all boys. Mm. So I think it's both. For your clients yeah. now, I personally kind of feel like this new wave of children from like the last five years, including this past year, they just seem different than the children, you know, from 10 years ago or from seven years ago. How do you feel about that? What do you have to say about that? I definitely agree. <laughs> they are little firecrackers coming in. And I really think they're coming in to change this world. Praise spirit. Thank you for sending these little ones because we are in a major shift of consciousness right now. And everything we've seen in the past year and a half, two years, where I think we're going to see in the next maybe 10 years, we are in a major shift and old ways of being old institutions are beginning to crumble and they're going to continue to crumble. And I do think these kids are here to teach us. And it comes again to the education of sharing with parents that we can learn from them. I think we get into this thing as parents of this hierarchical and it, because a lot of us, that's how we were raised too. You know, it's like, do this because I said so. And yes, kids need boundaries. Yes, they need bedtimes. Yes, they need food at certain times throughout the day. Like regulation is very important. So I never want to poo-poo regulation because I can really tell between kids that have that and don't, they'll start to bleed out at the seams. Like we need regulation for kids and they ask for it. They will push those boundaries. If they need boundaries, they will push you to enforce them. So it's like having a framework and then opening up within that framework to really let them share their truth and who they really are and course correcting as they give you new information. And as parents, you know, having kind of the guts or the balls to say, wow, this is really different than what I was expecting, but I'm going to support my kid because they're really interested in this. So I'm going to support that. And maybe it's not the school I wanted them to go to. Maybe it's not the school I thought we, you know, be on track for. Maybe it's doing this whole other thing and they're going to be so much happier. And therefore we're going to be so much happier. And therefore we're going to be such a happier family. You know, and I think that's 
one of the beautiful silver linings of this past year is we have kind of been forced to think outside the box and there have been so many miracles. I mean, almost every person I know has had major blessings through this past year and a half because we have let go of a lot of the who we should be or who we thought we should be. And we're now figuring out how to be our authentic selves more and more. Mm -hmm. I agree. How do you think 2020 with kids being born in 2020 or having their first slash second year in 2020? How do you think that's going to kind of pan out? I think there is a real need for remediation and repair. And again, I don't want us to get into this shame or blame. You know, people were doing what they thought was best for their kids. I mean, this is a controversial thing about to say, but I think we're going to see in a year that like masking children was the dumbest fucking idea that has ever come to light and really horrible for their brain development. So that's not necessarily babies born in 2020, but I just think there's a lot that's going to keep coming out. I think for people who had babies and their babies have been around masked people for a year, taking the masks off, being around people that no longer are masked, really working on expressions. You know, I mean, I would even personally look out for OT, occupational therapists, craniosacral for sure. Craniosacral work on babies and toddlers is incredible. I personally believe that every new soul that comes to this planet should get craniosacral work because they've been scrunched in in certain habitual patterns, how they were in utero. And that's also just a great tool if you're ever having any breastfeeding issues or problems with latch, et cetera. It just can be because they have like a really kinked neck or something in their spinal column affecting it. So I would get body work for them for sure. Get them around other babies, other toddlers, you know, schedule play dates, like really choose love over fear. And instead of just being petrified of something that probably and statistically will not negatively affect your kid from a virus, they need to be around people. They need to be touching. They need to be smelling. They need to be laughing. They need to be interacting in nature. You know, nature is such a healing tool. Get out in nature and not just like, oh, like a little stroller walk in the park. No, in the dirt. Babies need to be in the dirt. Kids need to be in the dirt, barefoot. You know, eating dirt is even good. You know, in in the sand, in the ocean, getting vitamin D on their naked bodies, like really letting nature heal them. Also, the other side is just trusting that they made a soul contract to come here during this time. And I can have big feelings about it, but also like that's what they signed up for. You know, I signed up to be a mom. (laughs) (laughs) right now during life and it's intense but then I just come back to like my soul decided this is the time for me to be here and so I just come back to that so same with them their soul chose to be here and there are gonna be some wild stories about when they came to this this planet yeah (laughs) the thing I think about a lot is my friend she had a child at the end of summer 2019 and so the baby's like first you know full yeah, year, year was in a pandemic and I met them masked when they could like, you know, walk and like see me and things. I think about the baby's grandparents and how they really only spent that first year, 18 months through FaceTime. And now they're yeah. kind of slowly going back around them and they're like, well, why doesn't the baby like me? Like, why right. is the baby so like shy or this or that. And I'm thinking, well, how would you be if you've only known someone through a phone or only ever seen them with, you know, half their face covered? I can't imagine. hundred percent. I think that's such a good point is really giving these kids space and taking off the expectations, you know, let their bodies like catch up. Like that is so crazy. You know, like we weren't even like two years ago, we were never supposed to have babies and kids on phones, right? And then all of a sudden, that's the way they're seeing everyone and meeting everyone. Like, that's a very huge disconnect. So again, just like giving them space, like maybe some kids are going to get almost like inundated viscerally, like, you know, their nervous systems, it's going to be a lot for them. So maybe very little visits, like 15 minute visits is going to be what works for them. And again, the body work and the baby massage. I mean, I'm such a big proponent of the baby massage at night, the Abhyanga, learning Reiki on your babies, doing acupuncture, doing a foot massage. You know, these babies need a lot of tender care and love and support. And I also, I talk to my kids a lot. I talk to my babies when they're inside of me, you know, hands on belly. You can always talk to your kids. Even when they're sleeping, you can talk to your kids and their unconscious mind is going to be hearing. Energetically, they're going to be hearing you. And so even if that feels weird, they're cuddled up on you, just 
speak to them, you know, speak what's on your heart. This has been a really weird year. I hate that you were born in this year, but you were, and we're going to get through it. And I love you and I'm here for you. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to support you as we navigate this time. You know, what about for the moms that maybe don't live in an area that gives them access to these different modalities for healing for themselves, but also for their children? What do you say? (laughs) Well, I mean, I do motherhood coaching and postpartum coaching. So a lot of that I can support and I can do virtual Reiki. I can help you with your meditation practice. I can, I can help kind of circle the wagons around you energetically. And then, you know, different Reiki healers work virtually. I think more and more people are starting to work in person, even like a trusted massage therapist. I feel like there are more amazing healers around us than sometimes we know. So if you're a new mom, just question everyone you meet. Oh, do you happen to randomly know any amazing masseuse that works on kids or a healer in this area? Like there are incredible healers in hidden corners of this world. So I think it's easy just to be like, well, I'm not in New York. I'm not in LA. I'm not in Austin, but there are incredible light workers and body workers everywhere. I agree. Once I started to come out of like my woo closet, I started to kind of like pick up on people's energy. I'm like, "Mm, totally. I kind of think that they know what I'm talking about. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And once you're in the flow, people will start just telling you, I mean, I'm constantly gathering healers info because, you know, I mean, I am in LA and I am woo. So, people share a lot with me, but yeah, it's everywhere. I think too, having mom club as a Mm -hmm. resource, even if it's not like, you know, in person, it can still kind of bridge that gap and just give you that community aspect of things because you never know who you'll meet through people. I mean, gosh, my whole career has been based off of who I've met through people. Totally. Yeah. And that was one of the main intentions for mom club is for us all to pool our resources. And, you know, part of the medicine of any women's circle or sacred circle is very simple. It's just bearing witness to another person or woman's experience. You know, sometimes we just need to be heard. We don't even need feedback. Sometimes we just literally need to speak our truth, say one minute of what's on our heart. And that's it. Like that's medicine. Instead of having anyone in our lives, like say our partner that wants to quote unquote fix it, or is like impatient hearing the same old thing or whatever, you know, the story is. But when you're with other moms that have walked this path before you, It's so liberating and it's so freeing. And literally when I get off every call, women are just like, oh my God, thank you. And it's not like I'm doing anything magical. It's just simply gathering us together. So yeah, it's amazing. And people pool resources. And, you know, most of us have been in these little isolated boxes, you know, researching whatever our issue is with our kids. And there's always something and it's, it keeps changing as they age. And so we want to share. We, we want to be like, I had a breastfeeding issue for a year and it was fucking hard as shit. And these are all my resources here. Please have them, you know, with anything in motherhood. So women want to share. We want to share. It's our natural way. And so ask questions, you know, don't be shy. If you just meet a mom in the park, ask questions. Who do you go to? Who do you see? Do you know anyone around here? Blah, blah, blah. Because it really does help. What was it like for you, the difference between your first child to your second? Oh my God. (laughs) Night and day. Uh, I do a whole podcast on that because it's a lot and it continues to be a lot, but it's so interesting because there's almost a six year gap between my two. It's one month shy of six years. And I was a one and doneer. I like had a hashtag one and done. I would get so offended when anyone be like, when are you having your second? I was like, fuck you, I'm not having another one. And I would like had all these statistics I would rattle off because people make crazy assumptions. And that was just also a good lesson because people don't know if I'm trying or I can't have one or if I've just done cancer treatment or like my husband's sperm doesn't work anymore. You know, it's like we never need to make assumptions on other people's fertility. Just little FYI. <laughs> Agreed. Totally. But yeah, I was super one and done. I was one. So I like had a great life. We got to travel a ton because I didn't have siblings. We could always, my mom and I just stay on a friend's couch. Like it was just easy. I got to do a lot because I was one. So I was great with one. And my husband always kind of wanted another one, but he also didn't ever want to push me and knew like, you know, my healing had been a journey for a couple of years and all of that. So, and it was interesting because then there was a little soul floating around me for a couple of years and I would go to my seer shaman, you know, whatever you want to call her. And 
she couldn't get clear. She was like, yeah, she's here. She's here with us, but she might just be a guide in your life or she might be a baby you're going to call forward. We don't know. And then it's kind of like started eking in more and more. And then we were away in Colorado for Christmas and my husband and I went out for a long snowy walk. And I was like, okay, what would this really look like? You know, I'm starting to really ramp up my career. I feel very passionate about this. I don't want to just go back to stay at home mom. How are we going to do that if we have another kid? So we like, we're really like trying to work out the details. Turns out I was pregnant. And so she came in real fast on our seven year wedding anniversary. <laughs> and she was meant to be here. My husband and I had actually had like a rough patch right before conceiving her. And like, I didn't actually know if we were going to continue in our relationship. And she came in real fast. I had gotten clear that I wanted to stay with him before we conceived her, but it was like very fresh. And so it was just interesting, the timing of all of it, mm. the divine timing of it. And I love her so much. I mean, I can't imagine my life without her now. So my oldest is almost 10 and then Goldie's almost four. And so I do see a huge huge difference in them energetically. They're also their own beings. With the first, I would say took more counsel outside of myself with Jemima, my oldest. I was still very much in my knowing, but I did care a little bit more about what people thought. I was not as strong in my gut intuition. With Goldie, I could literally not give a fuck what anyone thinks. Like, I'm just like, this is what I know. We're doing this. This is what my intuition is telling me. I know my child. I'm very secure in my knowing. But I also research things a lot. I question. I never claim to know the answers, but I do claim to know my baby best than any quote unquote expert or doctor or anyone else. And I also had healed. I had healed a lot from after my first birth. I was also just a stronger woman. I was six years older when I had Goldie. So it does feel like I was two different versions of myself. You know, I'm just so much more secure. And now I'm in my 40s and... It's very different. The energy, women listening when you're in your 40s is way different than in your 30s. So if you're fire in your 30s, just wait to your 40s. You're going to be like bombing. <laughs> and in the, like all the best ways, like all the best ways. I don't mean like, like bad bombing. I mean, like throwing bombs because you're going to be so fucking lit. And then I hear 50s is like even way more than the 40s. I'm like, okay, you're ready. Up to that. <laughs> Get ready. There's two things that have come up a lot in conversation with me and my friends who are parents. And one is specifically after they've given birth, their doctor immediately puts them on birth control. What do you, yeah, exactly. That's for, for those of you that weren't able to see McLean's reaction, it was big bug eyes. <laughs> I feel like personally, that's your body is already like completely thrown for a loop. It's trying to refigure itself out and then to throw it on hormonal or non-hormonal. I'm just wondering what your opinions are on that. Yeah. So the bug eyes just gave me away. That feels very shocking to me. I was not aware of that. I don't even go to an OBGYN. I go to a midwife. So that is not even in the realm of what I, I know. I personally am not into the pill. This is a huge topic. I mean, this should be its own podcast, which I think would be a great podcast. Now I'm thinking I should do that. There are so many issues that are coming into light now from the pill. A lot of the quote unquote issues it was trying to fix is exacerbating it across the board and leading to cancers across the board. So I am like pretty anti-pill. That seems crazy to put women on that just gave birth birth control pills. And I have like a lot of mixed feelings about just that whole topic. So it's a very interesting topic about postpartum sex. And there is this notion, I mean, we see it in all the movies, right? You hear it like going to go that six week mark, you know, and like the doctor's going to say it's cool to have sex. And the husbands are like chomping at the bit. Like we just see that. It's just such a, like a meme. Right. And I don't know personally anyone that wants to have sex at six weeks postpartum, maybe six months postpartum. And again, great. If you want to have sex six weeks postpartum, that's great. Like legit, like that's awesome. I just don't know any of those women. It just like astounds me that that's our barometer. And it is one of the biggest changes a woman goes through the biggest rite of passage from maiden to mother and this massive things happen to your vulva your vagina like your whole body it's so massive and at six weeks most of us are still healing down there the tissues are repairing like it's wild with 
our bodies can do to create that space to bring a baby earthside. Like it's totally incredible what our bodies do. And it takes a minute for it to come back. And that's also why the postpartum healing is so important. But I just really urge women, like there's no right or wrong. There's no good or bad, but our nervous systems are everything. And again, we often don't learn this until we become moms and go through postpartum and on into motherhood. And I'm still learning and I'm still navigating my relationship with my nervous system. But really listening to your own body. If you don't want to have sex and you feel like you have to, or now your doctor's giving you the okay. And so like now you kind of have to, like I hear all these stories about women begging their doctors to say, no, you're not ready to have sex. So they don't have to have sex with their husbands. Like that actually feels like a real fucked up dynamic to me. Like, I don't want to feel like I have to lie to my husband to not have sex with him. Mm -hmm. Like that, that feels like a weird dynamic, you know, it doesn't feel good. Yeah. It's like, but like, it's, it's quite, quite very normal, you know, like this is what's normal. And so I think really listening to your body when you are ready. And again, like cuddling is great. Making out is great. Like you can do lots of fun things that don't have to do with penetration. But I, what I see is women forcing themselves to have penetration sex because they feel like they have to, and that's their role. And like, I know for myself, like, and even with my second kid, I had a great like home birth, like kind of like the dream situation. And I personally had like PTSD vagina. I was like, I don't like, I, I don't even like using tampons anymore. You know, I can't really like, it doesn't feel good, you know? So it's just like trusting that things are just healing and going back to normal. That's a long answer to your original question. Other things you can do IUD plus and minuses with that, like really do your own research. I used a copper IUD, which was not great for me, but I kind of suffered through it for five years because I really didn't want to be on the pill. I really don't want to have another kid. I'm very fertile, but it made me extremely anemic and crazy, crazy periods. And one day I was like, has to come out today. Like it was like, my body was like, has to come out today. I didn't have an OB. I like called around. I was like, could I come in today? And they were like, no, like, (laughs) and so I just took it out myself. I'm not saying do that, but I just Googled it. I just like literally pulled it out and it was fine. Oh my God. But I had kids. So you're, you're like a little bit more open, you know, but I literally was like, I'll just YouTube it. And it was just like, pull it out like a tampon. And they just like came out immediately. (laughs) Interesting though. I'm like completely (laughs) shocked right now. It's interesting that you say though, that you like woke up and you're like, today's the day. Like it has to come out today. It has to come out. Yeah. Everyone that I know who has had the copper one has said the exact same thing where they're like, (sighs) it's got to go out now, like right now. So your body just like the body knew. And you know, when I got it, I got it after the birth of my first daughter. I'd been with a midwife. I had to transfer to the hospital. It's a long story. Ended up with this doctor I didn't particularly like, but I didn't really know any other doctors. So I just went back to him for my checkup and got the IUD. And I really hadn't done that much research in all fairness, but the advice was get it sooner than later. So as your uterus is healing from birth, it's already in there. So it's kind of like healing with it. Not sure that's accurate, but they gave it to me. And a lot of women, you'll probably hear this. A lot of women have that, again, that like vagal nerve reaction. They'll faint when it's trying to be put in an IUD. They'll fight like they're, you know, they're just like all of a sudden like want to get it. And they'll like be literally like fighting the doctor. It's like this very interesting response. I had a friend who was a dualist. She tried to get one inserted like six times. And every time she had a, her body had a bug out and would not allow it. So I got it. And then I was like, basically... It was like two months postpartum. I remember like leaning up against paying for my appointment, like full, like just white as a ghost. I was like, can I have some medicine? Like I'm about to faint. And they're like, well, I guess we can give you some Tylenol. Like so catty. I went downstairs. I'd driven myself there. Literally had to lie down on the sidewalk of Santa Monica Boulevard because I was about to faint. And I was like, and I know stuff, you know what I mean? Like I, in this realm, I know stuff and this is happening to me. Like this is fucked up. This is really weird, you know, and it's just like we we're not caring how we should be caring. So all that to say, you know, when it comes to birth control pill or IUD or different devices, like I, I feel like we still don't know. There's no like great way. A lot of people I know use that daisy tracker, you know, the pullout method, knowing your cycle, all of that. But you have to really know your cycle and be checking it each month because also our cycles can change. Ovulations can change. I mean, I have a friend, Sarah Jane Sandy, that was on my podcast. She's a fertility specialist and she got pregnant completely on a time where she thought there was zero chance she could get pregnant. She got pregnant. 
that's what she does, you know? So it's like, it's always kind of a miracle and a mystery. And I mean, the most accurate way seems to be a condom or a vasectomy for men. But then there's, that's the whole thing too, of like an energetic and maybe a physical, you know, that's not great for them long-term. I don't know. I think it's hard because we, we grow up like being told to trust the doctors and they know more than we do. If you've had multiple children, maybe it's different. Maybe you, you know, like you're saying, you were like a completely separate person, your second child, but like for these moms and dads who it's their first baby bringing into this world, what do you do? Like when you don't trust them, then I'm sure you're questioning yourself even more and that spirals out too. Totally. It's very confusing. Something that I've never had to think of because I don't have kids is this whole on the spectrum topic. And that's something that two of my very best friends have both had to freaking like worry over everything about. Mm-hmm. And I think after specifically after last year, it's interesting to me that I, I feel like doctors are very quickly, doctors, nurses, whomever are like quick to put a kid on the spectrum when maybe they're just taking a little bit longer to talk or, you know, that kind of thing. And I'm wondering, like, what do you say to the mom or to the dad who just heard that from their doctor is now freaking out, looking for speech pathologists and how to like, quote unquote, fix their baby. I feel like there's got to be a better way to approach that. So this is going to lead to a topic that is the most divisive topic right now, which would be that of vaccinations. And we are in a place, and maybe know this, maybe don't know this. If you have children, you probably don't know this because most of us that know this information is brought to us because we have children, right? And we have like a dog in the fight. But for those of you listening, if you're vaccinated, probably are, you maybe had, depending on your age, 10 to 12 to 15 vaccines in your life. The schedule now for children by the time they're in sixth grade is 72. What? Yeah. So when people say, well, I had that, you know, I'm fine. It's multiplied many, many times over. And we're giving sometimes five, six at a time to a three-month-old baby, a four-month-old baby, a six-month-old baby. So just not even mattering like what side of this fight you're on or just a discussion. Let's not even say it's a fight. That is a whole lot of heavy metals. That is a whole lot of things we're injecting. And so to me, it's like pretty wild that we say to women, don't eat sushi, don't eat deli meat, don't eat soft cheese. And yet we're injecting them with heavy metals and experimental medicines. That is not in alignment. That does not make any sense. And so the first thing I would say to any parent, like, first of all, put your hand on your heart and forgive yourself, forgive yourself for not knowing what you didn't know. And also I'm not saying never vaccinate your kid. I'm just saying we're giving kids babies a lot right now based on a one size, a one size fits all. And we're giving babies the same medicine that you would give a 200 pound man. You don't give Tylenol in the amount you'd give a 200 pound man to a new baby, right? No. So it like, it doesn't make sense. And that's why people are questioning. And I, I understand it's a huge topic. And believe me, I've, I've walked this path for 10 years now. So it's very triggering. It's very upsetting. And the biggest thing I would say is start with the detox. There are different doctors. There's this is great doctor, Dr. Green Mom. You can find her on Instagram. I can put her in the show notes. Basically, her whole business is helping detox children in a really safe, beautiful ways very healthy, herbal-based, more natural-based ways that are very effective. So that'd be my first is, you know, detox the pathways because so much of the heavy metals get lodged in the brain. And of course they're affecting things, of course. So that's kind of like the one physical thing. Then the spiritual side would be kids come in at different frequencies. So maybe your kid has come in to teach us new things in a new way and doesn't need to sit in a chair for eight hours. Like who made that up? Mm-hmm. Like, what are, what are we judging this against? First of all, you know, like that's a huge thing. We're continuing to judge kids based on this very outdated formulation that really didn't read happy kids. So maybe if your kid has a really hard time sitting in a chair, maybe they need to be an outdoor school. Maybe they don't need to be that right now. You know, maybe you have an outdoor preschool or you start a pod and you hire a teacher, you know, like there's so many different ways to do this now. And so that's again, like when we started earlier in this interview is letting your kid lead you. What do they actually need? What is going to be better for them? Because when you see your kid flourish, 
and happy and healthy, there's nothing better as a parent. So it makes you happy and healthy. When you're constantly trying to fit your kid in this box, you're miserable because they're miserable, you know? And then it's just like the cycle. So obviously the body work is really great. Again, our bodies, minds are connected. So it could be very minute little tweaks that need to happen in the body. Because again, like Western medicine is coming from like one view and Western medicine can be great for many things. I don't think it's great in looking at children in a holistic view. Mm -hmm. So don't get one diagnosis and think you have a life sentence for your child. Also, diet is huge. What are you feeding your kid? You know, the big ones are gluten, dairy, soy, corn, peanuts. Maybe try to get off of those. Also, if you have had a lot of the shots, your kid's going to be more sensitive to those because those ingredients are in the shots. You know, this peanut allergy, that was not something that existed 100 years ago. It didn't. It's because peanut oil is in the shots. So it's all interconnected and there are different views and there are different perspectives and there are different children. And we also have different genetic makeups that make us more susceptible to things. But you want to make sure your kid is pooping at least once a day, if not after every meal like that, especially like a healthy baby. Like we look in babies, they eat, they poop, they eat, they pee, they eat, you know, like that's actually how our body should be as well. But if they're not doing that, That is huge. You got to get that going because they're not removing the toxins from their body. Sleep. Homeopathy is incredible for different issues. I mean, I've seen kids be completely healed through a great gifted homeopathic doctor. You know, the food is a really big one. So many parents report ADD gone with cutting out gluten and dairy, like gone. Different food allergies. I mean, our bodies are incredible and we have to respect them and know that they are actually doing what they can to protect us at all times. Sometimes we just have a hard time reading the signals and not actually wanting to do the work to change the things that are inflaming us. That's a big part of it. And as a human, basis. Like that's a huge part of the whole thing. It's like, you can educate yourself. You can educate yourself. You can educate others. You can do all of that, but like actually doing the work and putting in the work, that's where the real shifts happen. It's not easy. I mean, look at the diet industry, look at the cosmetics industry, look at the plastic surgery industry. It's like people want the quick fix. They don't want to do the long-term, you know, like my health goals is to be like 105 doing yoga every day, you know, because I started when I was 15. What are the long-term studies? And that's what I love about Ayurveda too. It is time tested, you know, it's thousands of years. It's not some quick fix. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Ayurvedic diet for kids is incredible too. You know, maybe if your kid's nervous system is like really, really a lot, you need to calm it down. So what are the different ways you can do that? Also getting them off the screens. That has been one of the biggest curses of this past year is the kids are really addicted to screens and it is affecting their brains. And we're going to see this. I mean, it's an unfortunate fact in the next decade and two decades, the children that are on screens for eight hours a day, it's done a lot. Think of how much it's changed how we do things as adults. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think of that a lot too. I'm like, okay, well, if quote unquote forced to be on a screen and to shift everything into technology for an entire 12 to 18 months has made me go from being this outgoing person to being like, "Ah, I could cancel plans and stay inside. Like, I don't really want to go out. So socializing has been completely shifted for me. So I can't imagine what it's doing to the kids who like are literally learning life through technology and through screens. And of course there are some beautiful things about that. Of course, there are always beautiful things and everything, but we have to get them back into nature. We have to get them back to learning how to talk to humans, how to interact with humans and not using screens as a way to not parent. And I know that that sounds harsh, but, and look, my kids are the babysitter today. This is the only day I have her all week. If I hadn't had her and I was doing this podcast, I would have put a movie on for them because I know they're taken care of for an hour, you know, because they're going to be a zombie in front of a screen. But we are as a whole, so dependent on them. And it is an addiction. And when our kids are whining and screaming for it, it's easier to give it to them. It's easier to give them the tablet, but you got to have the boundaries and you got to be the parent and you got to say no. And you got to say, here's a book. Guess what? We read, you can read. I mean, that's one of the biggest blessings of my oldest daughter. She's an avid reader. And I'm just like, that's what you're doing. You can be mad at me for like five minutes and then you'll get into your book and you'll be over it. But Mm -hmm. you have to turn the screens off. And I know, I mean, 
when I was living with my best friend and her three boys all at the time oh under the age of three. Oh. Yes. I know how, like, cause I used to be that like, you know, 20 something who was like, how can they not like contain their child? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I would like silently be like, if I were the parent, totally. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And after living with them, I'm like, I'll give them an iPad. Fine. Take the fucking <laughs> iPad. Like just take it. <laughs> so I totally understand. But I yeah. also see yeah. from what you're saying, like it's, it's developing that boundary. And I think too, like, it's choosing yourself too in that moment. Like what energetically is going to let you be at peace. Totally. hundred percent. And again, no shame and guilt either, because I mean, I definitely use it. I try to use it medicinally, but yeah, it's summer. We're watching more, you know, my little one, like at Jemima's age, I would never let her hold a phone. My little one has a phone like a lot because she listens to music. She's not watching stuff, but she loves music and we don't have a stereo. Like that's our music. So, but then other times I'm like, no, like I'm controlling the music. I'll put on the speaker for you. So, and it's also our mental health. And we have been home with our kids for the year, most of us. And so it's also mental health. Like, am I going to scream at my kid or am I going to let them watch The Little Mermaid? You know, sometimes it's choosing a Little Mermaid. McLean, we've covered like, I don't know, a hundred thousand topics in 45 minutes. And that's awesome. I would love if you would share with the listeners what it looks like to work with you as a motherhood coach and how they can go about doing that. It's so cool, really, how my coaching has become a fluid extension of the doula work because I would have my older clients come back and say, I want to have a baby just to have you in my life again. I'm like, okay, you don't have to bring a soul earth side to have me in your life. I know it's so sweet. I know. I totally understand that from them though. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, I just want to hang out with McLean all the time. I know. Well, we can, but yeah, I was just like, women need support. It's an ongoing journey and path and fluid situation. And I think, you know, as I often say in this society, we're compartmentalized into these different parts of our lives, like twenties, thirties, preconception, then pregnant, then postpartum, then motherhood. And we're actually one continuous woman. We're one continuous body and mind and soul. And so the coaching really allows me to be exactly what that woman needs for her specific part of her journey. And that is so liberating to me because Each woman needs a lot of different things based on family lineage, education, finances, resources, their partners, you know, their marriage. Are they single? What's their relationship status? I mean, there's just so much. What's their relationship like? What is coming up for their partner? What's coming up for them? You know, when I work with pregnant mamas, it's a lot of the spiritual work. We do prenatal yoga. We do meditation. If they're too parents, I work with the couple together. So like if I have four calls a month with a mom, usually we'll do one call per month with the partner, which is just so beautiful because it helps them feel part of it. And a lot of the work, a lot of times it's just the women and then they have to come back and teach the partner everything. And that can also feel like controlly and can be triggering. And so it's just nice to have a neutral party. They're like, I don't have a dog in this fight. You know, I'm just here to support you both and the family and set you guys up to thrive and helps the partner feel empowered and like they've got really good tools and goals set for themselves to help in the postpartum time that I have, you know, clients that are wanting to conceive, get their bodies ready nutritionally, do the healing work, the familial work, all that stuff. And then postpartum, obviously there's a lot going on so I can be, you know, a live support during that time. And then for older moms too. So I really like it because I do a lot of a lot of things. And so the coaching has been a way to share all of it. Because when I was doing the postpartum dual work, which I love and I will always love and I'll always be doing some of it to some degree, I wasn't reaching a ton of people. And so I love it and I know it's important. And I know my clients love it and need it, but it's also like, I want to get the education out to the masses, to women everywhere, and then help them find their doula and their postpartum doula and help them get their care plan and all of that. Amazing. I'm a little biased, but I feel like (laughs) your work is so very important. And I think about it after we've worked together, I think about it so much more in the relationships that I have with people who are either considering, you know, Hey, I'm thinking about getting pregnant or I'm talking to my significant other about preparing for a baby at some point to my friends who 
have four-year-olds, five-year-olds, seven-year-olds. Thank you. And we all need support through all the different things, you know, and then you have teenagers or you have, you know, grade school kids and you need to switch schools. And it's a lot, like all of these things are a lot, at least what I found, it's not enough just to go to a therapist and talk about it. You know, we need the spiritual connection as well. We need the meditation. We need the nutrition. We need all of it to help us be as filled up as possible to handle life, to handle being a mom. And so for me, I really like it because I have the freedom to use a lot of different tools because I've thought about becoming a therapist. And I was like, actually, no, I don't want to do that because you have to stay in such a little box. And I like using all the tools. Yeah, I agree. I would love it if you would share how everybody could get in contact with you, where to find you. And then anything maybe that's been on your mind doesn't have to do with anything we spoke about some sort of something that you would like to just share. On Instagram, I'm at mother, the mother and I'm mother, the mother.com. The best place to reach out is probably via my link tree on Instagram. That's the most updated. And you can always email me hello at mother, the mother.com to find out about coaching. I offer a free mother love breakthrough call it's about a 20 minute call where we just get on the call and see where you are, where you want to be going, what's coming up for you and how I could support you. And if it's the right time, the right alignment. And then I have mom club, which you can find again, the link tree on Instagram. That is the monthly membership. It's very sweet and intimate. Now I think they're like six to 10 of us. There are three different options. There's also just a solo new moon circle. You can sign up for each month, which is a virtual sacred circle for the new moon, which is really beautiful. And mom club, like we said earlier, it's really creating this community for each other to sit, to learn, to share and be with one another without any judgment, without any expectation, just like simply showing up and being and refilling your cup. That's via Patreon. I mean, one thing I wanted to share with anyone that listens to you, that loves you, Sam, that listens to this podcast is you've been such an integral part of my journey because I do think it's really important to say, I mean, you're spectacular period, but also women need to be working with women that support women. And, you know, I tell you this all the time. It was always really so healing for me. Like if I had five things to send you and of course like two would be sent and then the other would be like a week late. You never made me feel guilty or like I was slacking off or lazy or any of that. And I think for moms, it's really important because we put so much pressure on ourselves and we never get all the lists checked off. Like never ends. <laughs> Motherhood is a rare thought. So just having people around you that really know your vision, see your vision and want to support you, but also trusting the divine timing and the timing of your life and respecting the season you're in is huge because I don't need any more judgment. Like I don't need any more feeling like I'm not getting shit done. Like I have plenty of that. I have that in spades and we all do as moms. So really having people around you that just know what season you're in and that you can be honest with and be like, you know what? I have zero childcare for the next two weeks. I might be able to get one thing done each day to move the needle forward. And maybe that's one email because I'm not putting my kids on the screens, you know? So it's like, I have to choose constantly what is more important at each time. And you've just been amazing with that. So thank you, you know, from the bottom of my heart. And you've been such a big part of this journey as mother the mother is expanding and growing and I'm just so grateful for you so thank you thank you it's been wonderful honestly like I know we've talked about it before but for the audience I don't have kids and I don't want kids but I always want to be around McLean because she just has this like I'm sure as you've like probably felt while listening to this episode this umph within her that just makes you want to like catch something on fire or something like (laughs) you just want to like go do something amazing and you believe in yourself and you're inspired and you also have that effect on people for sure so yeah I just adore you and I'm so happy that you took the time to have this conversation I know we went some places but I'm really glad that we did because every time we speak I feel like there's just a new layer of you that I kind of learn about and I appreciate that thank you Thank you. I'm always here. So I'm happy to come on here anytime. And I love you. And I'm so glad you're back and running. And all the many jobs that you do. (laughs) I don't know how you function all day. You're incredible (laughs) in all that you do. Oh my God. Thank you so much.